got harmonicas? No, just the harmonics. There's also the company harmonics. They made rock band. Was it Guitar Hero or Rock Band? Uh, they made Rock Band. Activision made it Guitar Hero. I'm pretty sure. Well, Rock I, Band's way better, so... I knew I didn't like Activision for some reason. Yeah, I thought, you know, yeah, what some are some reason. good reasons to not like Activision? They ruined World of Warcraft. Sons of what? bitches. Yeah. They own World of Warcraft now? Yeah, Blizzard had World of Warcraft. It's Activision Blizzard. Yeah, Activision bought out Blizzard. Blizzard's like the bitch to them. And Activision's like, hey, you know, you need store mounts. And, you know, you need to have your customers spend 35 extra bucks after the 15 per month subscription. Because, fuck you. Activision had enough money to just buy Blizzard? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. The Call of Duty money. It's called oh, making a bad it's expansion. Call of Duty money. <laughs> uh, dude, they decided to make Call of Duties for the Wii, which is just like that shows how much money they have. They're like, <laughs> "Hey, Call of Duty three on the Wii. Why? Cause fuck you. Hey, guess what? There's this motion you have to make where you have to push the Wii like you're trying to get a Nazi off the, out of you. If you're ten years old, fuck you. You're not strong enough. You get beaten every single time." <sighs> I mean, I that's the kind of game I like to play, you know, one yeah. where like you because get because I did have Call of Duty three on, on the, the Wii, Wii and oh. literally there was a cutscene that was like twenty minutes in where you had to push as hard as you can with the Wii motion, and I was never strong enough to get the Nazi off my uh, stomach, so he'd stab me every <laughs> single time, and I quit the game. Never played I mean, it after that. That sounds Maybe. like a personal problem. Like I don't know I about was, you, but I also had that game. I had I, I knocked it yet? out of the park. I knocked it out of the park every time. Maybe Activision is just trying to tell you that you're not ready to fight the Nazis. You're just you're just not strong enough to fight them. If you can't beat Call of Duty three, how are you going to beat the Nazis in the streets of North well, Carolina? That's exactly why. Instead of uh, fighting Nazis, I instead just you know uh, get wear a black sweatshirt and throw rocks at them. See, I really sus- I can't fight them. I suspected that this well was a irritate them. protracted way to explain how you have had a lifelong struggle with fascist ideology. But I was wrong, so I'm pleasantly surprised. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's a quite the existential question. Like, when you have to think back and look like, oh, and do I have problems with fascist ideology? Am I a fascist? Luckily, we don't have to answer those questions today because this is Buried Jim, Buried Jims, a we podcast that has questions. never, never <laughs> gotten into politics ever once. We've never even mentioned a political thing. That's the first time, actually, we talked about fascism. And so, uh, instead, we're just going to read some stories on the internet. Uh, I'm Fancy Octopus, your host, and uh, of course, that was Proper Gent, your, your the voice actor. And we also got two literary experts today. Uh, we got uh, Charlie from uh, all the ones he's been on. You know, he's been on a few. How's it going, Charlie? It's going pretty well. It's going. Is okay. Like I mean, how well though? Like <laughs> on a scale of one to well, um, I would say I'm doing okay. Like it's not going well. So you're like a medium. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so you're not like going like, like super well. A good solid three point two out of ten. Oh well, oh, that's ooh, that's not that good. Is, yeah, that is not well at all. That's okay. Shitty. Are you okay? Well, my counselor canceled today um which was bad because i needed to talk about my abandonment stuff and 
It just, oh. it was, you know, yeah. he probably left because you keep annoying him with all that, you know, emotional trauma. Oh, okay, yeah, no, mom. He doesn't want to take that, you know? He just wants to abandon that instead of, you know, really dealing with that those issues. Because you know what? You're not worth it to him. Okay, well, if I needed that kind of self-reflection, I would go to the mirror. So, I'm good. <laughs> uh, and we also have Sam. He's he's a new he's a new guy. How, how's it going, Sam? It's pretty good. I uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what would you say is your favorite super strength? Like not like not like the superhero stuff. Like more like you know, like like a Guinness book, like a, a Ripley's Believe It or Not power. What would be your the one that you would want? One that I have or one that I would want? Uh, either works. Um, I I can't think of Ripley's right now. The only thing that's coming to my head is I remember having that book as a kid, and there was a picture of this lady who had like a 12-inch waist in the book, and it was like the most disgusting thing. Oh, is that the, the Barbie lady? Yeah. Yeah, she oh, had this like belt tied around her, and it was like, normal lady, normal lady, belt. Normal lady, normal lady, normal lady, and it's just super weird. Yeah, I've That's seen all it. I it's like of. they had she had all her like bones removed so that she yeah. could be like literally like the shape of an hourglass. Super insane. Yeah, so I'd probably have that power, I guess, because that's the only one I can think of. I'm just really glad that you didn't say the massive fingernails. That would also be sick, though. Can you imagine trying to drink a beer with fingernails that long, though? Imagine trying to open the beer. Imagine trying to do anything. Like, I can't. I feel like you try to scratch your ass and you just, ooh, I don't even know. Like what? Like how do they not break off? That's what I want to know. Like are he they just the, bendy at that point? He eats a lot of carrot. Uh, what's the stuff that makes your fingernails good? Uh, carrots. Um, keratin. Uh, iron keratin. nails. Eating raw iron. They're nails. made of keratin. Oh, that's right. Eating iron nails. It turns your nails into iron. Right. Like, that's why it's called that. Like that. Do, it's, wait, it's from do the you Latin. add milk though? No, well, I mean, no, if I'm no, feeling limp. sick that day, I'll add some milk to make it go down easy. But, you know, on, on the average day, I'm I'm a bit stronger and I just do it with like some oat bran. Like not a, like, fourth graders. Blended bran. Yeah. Nails for breakfast. Yeah, you know. Nailed it. Without any milk. I'm a goofy goober. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of super strengths, uh, we're going to... Do you guys like superheroes? Do you guys like them? I think they're like, you know... I I think I think Joker is more my style because he's got like a f- makeup and I like wearing makeup. Um, but what do you guys think about superheroes? I'm more of a oh. horror guy myself. Mm. <laughs> the only superheroes I know are ones who defend the U.S. flag. <laughs> I mean, so you weren't one of them because you couldn't get that Nazi off you. Sounds like an ASW over here, Army Surplus Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my superheroes. <laughs> I love the smell of freedom in the morning. Dude, I always wondered at those army surplus stores, why do they have it to where like they have this like I feel like they have to have like a closet in the back where they could put like the excess stuff, but instead they just pile it up until it looks like it's gonna fall on you. Like, you know, you have to walk through like the little aisles of stuff and it's just like grenades are gonna fall on you from like well, the top. Well I can shelf. explain that to you, fancy octopus. Still you see in the military, they make you make things regimented and like you know organized and mm. when you're done with that you're like fuck that lifestyle i want I'm- the exact opposite so i'm gonna take all my uniforms and i'm gonna make a mountain of them so and if some le- sleazy private comes in here 
because they've left their fucking top in basic training, and they have to pull it out of the mountain, and they get crushed? That's just natural selection right there, baby. I guess that's fair. I mean, I'm not sure what fair means, but I mean, I guess that is it. Either way. It's fair. It's also fair that we give uh, the next author a fair shot at uh, making a story. So uh, let's just jump over there. Oh, over, over it. Uh, dive oh, on over in. Over it. Dive over it. Dive on in. And uh, on in. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop yeah. saying it. Uh, so the first story we're going to read is called Death of the Last Superhero. It was written by a author called Gandalf One. He joined FictionPress.com in 2002. Uh, he's written quite a few stories. Uh, he's been watching new cartoons on and off over the years. His favorites being South Park, The Powerpuff Girls, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. He's also a big fan of Stephen King and J.R. Tolkien. And he's read The Hobbit over 20 times and The Lord of the Rings trilogy four to six times altogether. So... Committed. That's a pretty big range, like, between four to six. I mean, you've read all three books. Like, you can't remember if it's four, five, or six at this point. Like, I mean... Maybe he read them in different orders. Like, he read, like, one, two, three, and then three, one, two, and then two, one, three. You know, and then it's just kind of like a blur. He probably read one, like, six times. (laughs) He was like, I just can't. And he read, that's why he said six to four times. He read the first one six times, the second one five, five. times. Yes, stair-step method. That's what all great readers there do. You go. Yeah. You got to remember the beginning the most. I mean, it's like, it's like watching the Star Wars trilogy. Like, you start really strong. Not Star Wars trilogy, but Lord of the Rings trilogy. You start really strong, but then sometimes you fall asleep in, like, the third movie. You yeah. Know? Or, like, you watch Saving Private Ryan, Ryan movie, and you fall asleep. <laughs> at the you fall asleep at the, the the Normandy beach part and you're like that's so boring and then you just like pass out right there. That's the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> he <laughs> he said so a boring. Teacher. <laughs> that's so boring. <laughs> Why would you need to know the histories, Tom Hanks? Uh, either way, the Death of the Last Superhero was published November sixteenth of two thousand and three. Um, in the force in the future, as the forces of evil led by the world's greatest supervillain, Doctor Cruel, prepare to conquer the universe, a young girl, the last of a great family of superheroes, must fight for justice. So, how you guys feel? Like, so you guys amped? I'm really excited to hear Proper Gent play the young girl. He's pretty good at it. I, I honestly, if I could say one thing about you know the revelations while I've been recording this podcast is that I have great range. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, so, Dr. Cruel, then, huh? Dr. Cruel. Pretty, uh, pretty solid. Pretty, pretty solid. I'm excited for some character development. Oh, good. That's the place we're going to go. You know they're going to change. I would hope yeah. so. Well, I mean, not necessarily. Well, hopefully, Dr. Cruel doesn't change. I hope he stays. Yeah, I want him to stay pretty cruel, or else his name cool. would be kind of like, you know, wouldn't be a great nom de plume. I have found out that I like puppies and unicorns. From Dr. Cruel to Dr. Cool. Hey, kids. You want some weed? (laughs) Hey, that's Dr. Cruel right there. Still still a villain. (laughs) Sorry, that was my brother, Dr. Cool. He's undermining the pharmaceutical industry. Stop (gasps) him. What about that one with an e-cig? Oh, that's my other brother, Dr. Jewel. (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, uh, proper gent, you got the link. 
Uh, yes, I do. Sweet. When you walk. Okay. Can you guys? Are you guys gonna send it in the chat? Sorry. I mean, it's in the recording chat, but if if you want to read along, but you can also just listen if you want. I might just listen then. In the middle of the 20th century, about 1964, the first of those who would be called superheroes was born. His name was Astro Man. Originally a NASA pilot, Albert Reynolds was exposed to a large amount of radiation from an exploding asteroid on one of the first missions in space to find a terrestrial sphere beyond Saturn. After some temporary blindness, during which his second-in-command ran the ship, Reynolds noticed that his sight had greatly improved. Thanks to his enhanced vision, he was able to save the crew from another fatal asteroid as they reached Mars on, on the homeworld route. Things really took a turn when he got home. When he reported back to Cape Canaveral two weeks after re-entry, he discovered that he could read, write, and organize his files faster than he ever had done before. He also discovered, while trying to get out of the base before <laughs> lockdown, <laughs> yeah? I, I just like the idea like it's better, like it marginally approved. It was just like, <laughs> uh, all I like right. This is, this is superpower, like he's better at filing things. Like, did he just turn it in my mom? <laughs> It went from ten minutes to nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, who's if these if this guy's a superhero, who's his assistant gonna be like coupon man? <laughs> Who can like legitimately find I got good all deal? the coupons to the local seven eleven. <laughs> <laughs> He also discovered, while trying to get out of the base before lockdown late one night, he could run at the speed of a gust. Eventually, after some practice, Albert Reynolds discovered that he could fly as well. During a blackout, he was able to find the fuse box and pitch darkness and restore power. Finally, when an angry sea creature, a giant octopus, came ashore and broke an unfinished launching platform, Reynolds was forced to use his powers in public view, discovering his last power, the trait of superhuman strength, which enabled him to defeat the monster. All that remained now was for, uh, let's see, all that remained now for... Albert was to make his costume and make his costume for him, and so he did. Silver bodysuit, a blue face mask, and blue boots. And the years went by. New heroes came forth, like Lord Light, an immortal champion of the Olympi Olympians, the Dark Vigilancy Mage, Black Devil, the Bolt, and the first superhero and the first superheroine, the Silver Siren, a former secretary to multi-millionaire. After the each of these heroes had their own cities and used different means to fight evil, but no matter what their differences, all of the heroes would unite to stop the most fiendish villain dr cruel dr cruel <laughs> <laughs> this is really giving me vibes of like those really long paragraphs at the beginning of the old superman comics dr cruel had been an ordinary scientist in an undisclosed university <laughs> you know like the like you know the uh, like it's like the incredibles intro yeah well it's like in those old comic <laughs> books they have to remind you every single part of every person's origin story before the story begins <laughs> Dr. Cruel had been an ordinary scientist at an undisclosed university until, while nodding off awaiting the result of a vital experiment, a sleepwalking trance had caused him to walk under a molecular rearranger. As a result, the university fired him. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> that sucked, dude. It's like you walked under this thing and they're like, you're fired, bro. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I sleptwalked. Sleepwalked. But the accident had increased his intellect so that he'd become a very clever scientist who decides to use his powers to dominate others. But he burned his left hand. He took his former employees hostage but was foiled by Astroman, who'd been flying home to his girlfriend, Mary Thorpe, after a routine patrol. The demented genius vowed to destroy the noble hero, concocting elaborate schemes to fulfill his desire. In these times of crisis, Astroman and some of the other heroes would unite to stop him. After one of their battles with the arch villain, the champions decided to form a superhero team, the Champions of Liberty. 
Despite its corny name, the champions had lasted for over 60 years. It was not it was not so with the it was not so with the superheroes. Late in the 20th century, the tide had begun to turn in the war as Dr. Cruel destroyed the heroes. One by one, Astroman being the only defender to beat him again and again. As with all things, Astroman discovered that his power was failing and passed his mantle on to his son Chad to protect wow. himself from Dr. Cr- yeah. Chad's a dick. Chad. What a fucking Chad just gets a mantle like that. Yeah, I just got these powers. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, fucking you know? fucking Chad gets everything from his dad. You know, exactly. Chad is such a chode. <laughs> well, he's gonna be the new Doctor Astro or Astro Man. I love I love how many things have happened in this intro. Like this guy literally went from like just some random army dude to being able to file things insanely fast. <laughs> I could I didn't I can't do like, that. To like fighting an octopus with his bare hands. Like who this is, is a this very guy? Long intro paragraph. And it's then, like half like, a could be its own story. And then, like, 60 years passes. Just like yeah. that. And now his how son Chad is now the main guy? Afterman no longer is in the story. Dr. Cruel. <laughs> to protect himself. To protect himself from Dr. Cruel and prevent the death of innocent bystanders, Chad be- cha- chose to become a wanderer, flying from town to town. In Dallas, Texas, while stopping one of Dr. Cruel's latest inventions, the Chariot of Doom, a powerful hovercraft, Chad saved the life of a young teacher, Sidney Newton, who fell in love with him. He was forced to create a secret identity just to date her, as a substitute. This way, he was able to save the world and be near her. After three years of this bedlam engaging in endless combat with monsters, super terrorists, and of course, Doctor Cruel, and seeing Sydney on weekends, Ch- <laughs> I like that. Like, <laughs> it's just like it's just like he's working remote. <laughs> I have to take down the mutant octopus today, honey. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be late for that date. But don't worry. You don't fucking. Oh, no, he's commit. got a he's got a secret identity. She has no idea. She thinks he works in. Old oh, so he's, he's just like I wish. I wish Brad would be over here on others than Saturday. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I have a big tax return meeting <laughs> to take place for the next week. I have all the wink, business wink. meetings. You can like see the town on <laughs> fire in the background. It's like a classic oh. shot. <laughs> And Sydney on the weekends, Chad proposed to her, and he gained her hand in marriage, but not before revealing his true identity as Astroman. Fearing for her safety after learning she was pregnant, the second Astroman took her to see his father, who was now a biology teacher at a university. Sydney was very surprised when she first saw him. She'd envisioned him as an immortal warrior who could not be twisted by the tides of time. End of introduction. Okay. So. Damn. Thoughts on that buildup. Pretty solid introduction. It seems like there's like a lot of like, like there is so much that happened. Like this guy better release a prequel. You know, <laughs> like I need some details. It definitely seems like they're farming for pre- prequel. They're saving it for the extended yeah. universe. I mean, I like the world building though. I mean, it's not like he just went straight into it with Astro Man. So, I, I dig it. I dig it okay. so far. Did it, are all the other heroes dead? Because it said he was killing them one by one, and I, it's what it's called. What like the last superhero, right? Yeah, death of the last superhero. So I think they're all. I think the rest of them are dead. Okay, so he he like created all of these superheroes and then killed them all within like the first paragraph. Well, Doctor ruled it. Oh yeah, I mean the author. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Awesome. That's a pretty good setup. Hmm. What do you guys think? You like it so far? I I I think this is a good intro. 
Um, this feels like it could be its own book. Yeah, yeah I, I, I am worried that the book, the rest of the story is not going to be as good as what that could have been. I mean, that could have been a great, like, intro for a movie. Just like an old 60s movie where, like, the announcer just starts saying shit with, like, pictures going. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I was going to do a 60s I'm wondering, voice, but I... Like, I, how did, like, yeah? Chad's dad, like, pro- like, proved his worth by fighting a gigantic octopus? Like, how did Chad prove his worth? Like, uh, by being how did his dad? How did his dad know that he was even ready for the position? Well, he named yeah, him nepotism. Chad. He must have been pretty sure. Nepotism. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm going with Charlie's theory. He named him Chad. He knew that he was ready to take over the world. That's its own mantle in and of itself. You were a superhero. She asked with great surprise. Albert looked very frail as he shuffled toward a large panel, but as he motioned her toward the target grid under the giant laser, she noticed that, that he had no cane. Yes. He said, answering her question. But not the last. With those words and a gasp from his daughter-in-law, the first Astro Girl was born, though the alteration of her what? atomic structure. Sydney joined her husband, traveling to distant planets, soaring to Rome or Acapulco for a one-day getaway. Did that kill Wait. the baby? Wait, did he just make her a superhero? Yeah, you while she's can't pregnant. Molecularly change the the girl while she's pregnant. What he just like touched her and she became super? He used a laser. Oh, he blasted her while she's pregnant? I really Dude. hope this wasn't in Georgia because they're about to get in a lot of trouble with the new laws they passed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean Astro Man might be put away for life. Yeah. Uh, I also like how they went to Rome or Acapulco for a one-day getaway. Like, they were, like, traveling to distant planets and then Acapulco for, like, a little, like, you know, vacation. Hey, man, what's, what do you have against Acapulco? I'm just saying out of distant planets, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough sail. I mean... Maybe those planets you'd, suck. You'd that- rather hang out on, like, some fucking Venus or some shit where it's cold and the atmosphere hurts or you want to go to the beach in mexico like, dude i bet dude, they got on. epic skiing i feel like that's the intergalactic travelers version of traveling abroad and then eating it like chipotle exactly <laughs> like chipotle is like, always gonna familiar. be better like yeah. you think you think traveling abroad is better but you get home and chipotle is always there for you it always makes my butthole on fire continuing on and battling Dr. Cruel and his band of minions. Asp, a reptilian, a reptilian assassin with poison veins and snaky skin. Sight, a sightless psionic alien who was able to see other beings by reading their thoughts. And Leech, a genetic engineered life form who could absorb the life energy with a single glance. Seven years passed, and then the Astros discovered the joys of parenthood as Sydney gave birth to a daughter named Lisa. Okay, so she was pregnant. I either the laser gave her an abortion or the laser made her pregnancy last seven years. Um, I think she had another child. Like, you know, like it was a miscarriage, like the molecular. Yeah, like it. Okay, that makes more sense. We don't talk about your father anymore, Chad. (laughs) Dick killed our child. He had no idea what was going on, sweetie. He was losing his powers. I'd like to think she was like nine months pregnant for seven years, just whooping ass. <laughs> and that's how the, the comic big book old is. pregnant buddy. Yeah, just gigantic. Like and she's just kicking like, ass while like end? eating like pickles. <laughs> or she just or she just gets like gigantic bloated from seven years worth of babies growing. <laughs> she literally has baby, a crack. She uses the, the belly just, as a weapon. The baby like just comes smack. out just massive. Like, <laughs> Hello, mother. 
<laughs> seven years. The baby later, comes out as seven. <laughs> gave birth to a daughter named Lisa and settled down in a suburban home. A few months later, Astro Girl, now Astro Woman, rejoined her husband on his quest to eradicate crime and terror. Unfortunately, during one of their battles with Doctor Cruel. An event, occur- an event occurred that broke the line in the war between superhero and supervillain. Dr. Cool set out to alter the molecular structure of every living human being, the ensuing confusion bringing about panic, discord, and death. In order to stop him, Astro Man challenged the evil scientist to a showdown. Dr. Cruel's lethal power suit proved to give him the upper hand over his foe. After, after him... After watching him drop her husband's battered body to the ground after the, after their duel to the death, Astro Woman summoned all of her power and pushed him into the ship's control unit, destroying herself in the process. But even as the supervillains on Earth became more and more brazen, Harold raised his granddaughter in secret, trained her to hone her powers, which had been diminished by their passage to her from the previous generation, and prepared her to take on the mantle of Astro Woman. I just want to say the sexist overtones of she was a girl but had to give birth before she became a woman. I don't approve of that. Yeah. Come on, Gandalf 1. Also, did you guys notice that Harold... Harold who's Harold? Her- I, I thought no that idea. was the original Astro. No, that's Albert. Is it? Oh, then who's Harold? I don't know. He just, maybe he just forgot and <laughs> thought his name was Harold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is still extremely <laughs> expositional. Granddaughter, so it has to be. All I gotta say is that in the intro and in this paragraph, we just listed like four or five different like Marvel like infi- There's an Infinity War level movie in that second paragraph. There was an Infinity we War level movie it. in the first paragraph, <laughs> and a dude fighting an octopus offshore. We need as a, like decade. a beginning story. Like we've got two ultimate movies already. Astro Man 1, the they fight just, of the octopus. And they just glazed right over it. And he files shit super fast. I mean, I that would be a great like TV show on the side. Like him, like, like he's like running the bureaucracy. They're like, Astro Man. Get Robert Downey Jr. We don't know what happened to these files. And he just fucking pulls them out. God damn. <laughs> Is that, that the whole show? 12 seconds fa- yeah. that, was 12, that was 12 seconds faster than last time, sir. It's, it's like house. <laughs> Uh, but yeah also i like how we're already past we we broke through two main characters they're already gone they're dead don't oh, they're dead they're gone yeah, yeah. actually three if you include astro woman it started at 10 35 a.m on friday march 25th 2015 a very overcast day as president cliff duvall receives an urgent view screen message from the u.n secretariat at his desk in the oval office to know mr president we've got a problem there's a major riot in the plaza. What, what plaza? The plaza. Apparently some rogue terrorist got hold of a 90 surplus tank. Uh, what do they want? The guards don't know. They radioed me and told me to tell the assembly to stay put. Uh, good. Is the force field up? Yes, Mr. President. Caller? Uh, caller. Lisa Wilson was walking home from school, somewhat annoyed. It was not enough that she had forgotten to study for a chem test, which had failed, but also her grandfather's conversation with her in the, in the study that morning. You endangered a group of innocent tourists? He said from behind his back. Lisa noticed that he was busy with something on his desk. Her x-ray vision was weak, but she had seen a large beaker on his desk. I didn't have time, Grandpa. 
Rampage was about to shoot his proton gun upon them. I had to block the beam. Lisha, even though you are invulnerable to some weapons, doesn't mean you cannot be hurt at all. A proton gun does not use conventional shells. It would have penetrated through your aura and caused great damage. As he spoke, he walked over to her, leaving a glass, leaving a glass with water in it. You must realize that you cannot be Astro Girl all the time. Because when you have a baby, you'll become Astro Woman. <laughs> but until then, you're a fucking girl. Your body cannot handle the stress of being a woman, so you're a girl. You had a rough day. Lisa shook her head, wondering how hot it was in the room. She felt exhausted. She reached for the glass and drank the water. Yeah, that test was kilograms. If only I hadn't gone on that night patrol. Okay, I gotta say, Gandalf here is very confused. Uh, he just, he said, this is a, a flashback to the morning, but now they're referencing the test that she took after this conversation. Are they time travelers? I'm well, really, I'm really baked, daughter. I really just want to know what the grandpa's name is. Like, is it Harold or Albert? <laughs> uh, it's Albert Harold uh, Josingheimer Jan Wudensmeiter. What fight the third? I don't believe you. She leaned back in the uh, in the chair, wiping her forehead. Suddenly, as she looked at the grandfather clock near the desk, it seemed as though the room was shifting, morphing. Her grandfather, sitting in front of her, formed into a hideous ogre while his chair turned into a shining throne. I know this is maybe extreme, but I'm afraid this is necessary, Lisa. You are the heir of great powers, abilities that put you far above mere humans. If you are not careful, your powers could bring great harm. Albert's voice seemed deeper to Lisa, as if he was speaking from a podium. She took off her mask, but the heat rose even more. You must be wary. Listen to me. Are you listening? Before sleep overtook her. Lisa said, Yes. And then the darkness came. Her slumber had been brief, and despite feeling a little weak, she managed to remove her costume, take a quick shower, run out the door, and catch the bus. Suddenly, she heard a loud hum. She looked around. Oh, so that was in the morning. Okay. Yeah, I was just confused. Or wait, was it? I don't know. She, she said she had problems with the tests. I don't know. This is... There's time traveling happening here. Suddenly, she heard a loud hum. She looked around, but nobody had noticed. Of course, she thought. That's how the big brass contacts you. Ducking into a nearby alley, Lisa removed her top and jeans to reveal Astro Girl's costume that, unlike her predecessors, was less colorful. Her costume deviated completely from the original. <laughs> Do you guys remember the original? Silver, oh, silver, silver onesie with a blue hat. And blue boots. No, that was Astro Man. Oh. Yeah, so what was Astro Chad? <laughs> no, no, that's not Astro Chad. It's Astro Woman who became the the other female line. You mean Astro Girl? Created. No, Astro that Herald became Astro Woman. Slash Albert was silver and blue. Yeah, right. And so then what Chad was, happened. And what then was, Astro what, was Woman. what color was Astro Chad? Did we ever get a description? I don't think it said. Uh, brown. This is bullshit. <laughs> 
that's bullshit. Uh, this on, world Gandalf. building is bothering me. Is this supposed oh, to be cryptic? Know. Like, it, when the sequel to this comes out, are we going to learn that there's, like, all this time travel manipulation and Harold and Alfred or Albert are all the same people and... And all the uh, colors are different. This is 3D chess. We're just too fucking Yeah, we're just too... Uh, yeah. God, I, I like Charlie's so. interpretation where it's like, this is going to be like Flashpoint, where it's just like all these different storylines are being manipulated and we learn about it after the fact. Yeah, uh, and like it'll like make sense It's all then. just backwards. Oh, so we should be reading it from bottom to top? Yeah, all right, let's do it. All right, the last the sentence is... <laughs> hey, don't, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Her costume deviated completely from the original. It was black with red stripes and a star covering the chest. Shut it. Isn't that Captain Marvel? Oh, no, it's, it's not, but it's similar. Uh, shutting off all the distractions, Lisa turned toward the wall to get to the report. Mr. President. Uh, Astro Girl. Thank heavens. It seems that there is a terrorist attack going on near the new United Nations Plaza. They have a tank. How soon can you get there? Two minutes, Mr. President. Uh, good. Over and out. I wonder if, uh, again, uh, d- d- the UN's in New York, right? No, it's in Europe. Well, there's Isn't multiple there UN, UN things. Building in New York? There's a UN building in New York. And there's one in uh, Brussels, right? Yes. Or is it, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Brussels is the location uh no, the United Nations is headquartered in New York City. Huh. I know there's one, you're, there's definitely, like, there's multiple buildings, obviously, but I, okay. You're, you're multiple buildings. Uh, how fucking dare you? This isn't of yokai. <laughs> <laughs> Her bodysuit was black with red stripes, and the only major feature was a silver star covering the chest. As she flew at super speed towards Chicago, during the American riot, the official UN building had been destroyed by a group of radical students. Okay, there we Damn go. Damn students. First they shoot up orange schools, and now they... Now they're destroying the turn, UN? Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Lisa scanned the ground beneath her, still pondering over the unusual conversation. Just as she had turned her x-ray vision towards the Sears Tower, she heard the boom of the tank's cannon. Boom. She zoomed down the, toward the street, descending around the Great Monument. It made her far easier for her to withstand the pull of the descent. Suddenly, to her surprise, Lisa felt a sting as a bullet zinged off her left ear. The terrorists were actually shooting at her. Angered, she stopped hovering over them. What did she expect us to do? We're terrorists. We're going to fire our Kalishnikovs. How dare you? By the dark hand, we strike. Lisa dropped onto the street and charged the first assassin at super speed. Before she got there, though, a powerful green-hued energy beam hit her. She crashed back, sliding on the pavement, her body fighting against the blast. Do you like that, Astro Girl? <laughs> he cackled, blowing on his gun barrel. It was very wide. Unlike any known energy weapons from Earth, a weapon too big for its quarry. Lisa rose, leaning on her hands like a gym student. If she had looked a little closer at that, mo- at that moment, she would have seen him wet his pants. No, I don't. Astro Girl glanced around, noting that the bystanders were behind police lines. Without any further qualms, she raised her right fist, slamming it into the sidewalk. The vibration was so strong that it destroyed the tank, tripped up her assailants, and caged the others between a series of lampposts, none of which were destroyed. Oh, okay. As the police did the mopping up, Astro Girl flew around the scene, melting the sidewalk back to normal with energy beams from her fingers. Damn, so she just cleaned, like, everything? Yeah, oh wait. 
Essentially, oh, this is confusing. She's, he's got a bunch of like. Is, wait, wait, wait. Did he marks. say? Did he say while the police mopped up? She. That's what we do. Yeah, we, uh, they just we mop they're up mopping the it up. She's just using a bunch of like cleaning. They're just verbs. cleaning up all the crime. <laughs> Astro girl just comes in and cleaning and, up and these streets. Does some cleaning, you know. Uh, uh. So then, uh, okay, yeah. So one thing to note is that I don't know if Gandalf. I think he miss he mistyped a few things. There's a lot of quotation marks that aren't supposed to be here. When she rose from her task, turning to the cheering onlookers, she felt someone spit on her neck. One of the suspects had come, managed to come up behind her without being noticed by all, including myself. Your time has come, foolish girl. What? Asked Lisa. The man looked at her with sheer hatred. He would have probably stabbed her if he had the chance. Dr. Krull will return to claim this sphere for his own. <laughs> Lisa was obviously confused, and even though she couldn't utter her feeling, a little scared. Do- Dr. Krull was dead and gone, just a cluster of particles somewhere in the abandoned satellite in Earth's orbit. The world will be our kingdom. The day will rise soon when the part angel falls onto the despicable planet. He will rule with great power. A nearby cop grabbed the terrorists, leaving our hero deeply confused. After one last wave, Astrogirl flew into the air and zipped out of sight. In a dark chamber, a mutant lizard-like a mutant lizard-like humanoid approached a throne where a figure sat, his face obscured in the shadows. All that could be seen was a burnt hand, the veins throbbing beneath this pale skin. Agent 8? What do you suppose it means? Lisa asked Albert late that night back at home. Santa Barbara, to be exact. He sat in his chair, staring off at the wall to his right. Grandfather? Just as she was about to rise up and leave, she had heard him cough. (coughs) Tell me, did your assailant have a burnt left hand? Um, yeah. Why? Lisa asked, noticing the grim look on her grandfather's face. It's impossible. I saw him die. Lisa gasped, already realizing what Albert was trying to decipher. You were there? I got there too late. He cringed, stung by sudden remembrance. I had always noticed this, but never really believed it. But with each battle over the past four decades... I felt a little weaker than before. At first, I thought it was because of Dr. Krull's array of dangerous weapons. It was worse. Despite my powers, my body continued to age. And after that day, I found that I didn't have the heart anymore. That's why you adopted me. Yes and no. I adopted you for your protection. You see the power of the astro men, and that woman, I'm not sexist, had manifested (laughs) you very early. Both friend and foe would have hounded you. Any foster family would have been put in greater danger. You see, Lisa, 
We are the last. Or to be correct, you are the last of a great clan. The superhero is fading into the void. The light of justice is ebbing. I am too old. And it is up to you, Lisa, to keep our power going. Suddenly the house shook, and both Astro Girl and her father were knocked off their feet. As she rose, Lisa scanned the horizon. Seeing flames and chicken. Did it say did it say her father? Uh yes. Okay. So I mean, are we is that supposed to imply that maybe Astro Woman and Albert slash Harold? Are actually I? lovers did, behind Chad's back? Did Chad? Did Chad get get chatted? I think Chad got Chad chatted. got maybe, Jodied. Maybe when Chad uh, got Jodied. Chad oh, got caught. Maybe when he maybe when he altered her molecules, you know. Did it <gasps> oh, maybe that was all a euphemism. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just inserted his penis. In yeah. Her. That was the laser. He zapped her. That's the case, with the old laser beam. Superpowers. So this is definitely a sexual assault based superpower pretty, system, yeah. It's pretty lit, honestly. <laughs> now, with that with that being the case that Lisa was the product of sexual assault, do we have a right to abort Lisa? Well, I mean, no, I mean, no, no, wait, no, wait, we're wrong. No, don't you remember? That wasn't the one that like remember Lisa was 7 years after that. Yeah, uh, but that just means that he was zapping her with his laser for 7 whole years. I under- know. Under Chad's nose. Years and years of rape and well, sexual who, assault. Who said it was rape or sexual assault? <laughs> Do you know how old he was compared to her? I mean, he clearly didn't have money. He was a biology teacher. I mean, he probably Here had a little bit of money. He was Astro Man. Yeah, but he's he's Astro Man. Like, this is the greatest superhero okay, of their time. was he's, Astro Man at He's that defeated Dr. Cruel. He's uh, he defeated, defeated the giant oh. octopus. Yeah. I mean, who? What? What girl wasn't dropping her panties for Astro Man? You I, know? I think what we're not remembering I, I is that Chad, being named Chad in and of itself, is an accomplishment. That is true. It's a superpower. Yeah, I mean that's that's his thing. But I mean, you know, Dad's gonna Dad. You know, <laughs> she was she was calling him Daddy. <laughs> Suddenly, the, anyway, yeah. No, oh, okay. Knocked off their feet. As she rose, Lisa scanned the horizon. Seeing flames in Chicago, flames where the Sears Towers once stood. Lisa ran to the living room, grabbed the remote from the Magnavox 3TR, 45-inch screen with HD, and turned it on. Instead of getting a picture, there was nothing but a beep, similar to the emergency broadcast system, and then a sharp, cold voice, which astonished Lisa because she had it before in Tales of the Golden Days. People of Earth, and especially Astro Girl, I have interrupted your regular programming to broadcast this message. In exactly 13 hours, I will activate a dormant satellite and unleash a death ray to raise the capitals of every nation. Unless if I get... Ten billion dollars from the United Nations by 5.45 a.m. Albert, who had just walked in from the study, glanced at his watch. Anyone else, like, think, like, you know, of the Dr. Evil, like, one million dollars. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, it's 10 like, billion from the UN, it, they'd probably give it up pretty fast. It's like, Je- it's like Jeff Bezos. Can you show that out real yeah, quick? Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Thanks, we'll pay you back. Give, give this guy <laughs> we'll some money. We'll pay you back. <laughs> give him like 10% of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the Fiend. That's his voice. I know it is. Dr. Krull. But he'd have to be about your age by now, grandfather. Maybe older. Oh, oh, prediction. Prediction right now. Yeah. The first baby is the new Dr. Krull. Oh. Right? The first baby that was the product of uh, raping. Uh, okay, to be fair, now... we don't know that it's the product of that. No, we don't know if it's the pro- It could be sweet, sweet love, but... uh. No, we. I only can assume it. Or anywhere in between. It could have just been like, we're bored sex. True. Or it could be like, what, hey, you if know, she this had could be one fun sip once. of alcohol, she couldn't give consent and thus must be raped. To be fair, we. So. I mean, we don't know they were drinking. Well, she was Astro Girl before she had that baby, <laughs> so you know. Okay, now that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> he paused. I risked my case. Causing her to turn toward him. <laughs> I lost my place in the story. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to ponder upon this, Lisa. Earth is in danger. He paused, causing her to turn toward him. It is up to you, my child. I can say nothing more. He hugged her tightly, kissed her on the cheek, and let go, turning away as Lisa ran out the door and flew away, streaking toward the heavens where an unknown danger awaited her. In a dark chamber, a mutant lizard-like humanoid approached a throne where a figure sat, his face obstructed in the shadows. All that could be seen was a burnt hand, the veins throbbing beneath the pale skin. Agent 8. Okay, that's just a repeat. Yep. I mean, you know. Again, watch this all be a masterful plan to explain that there was time travel and manipulation and such. Oh, so like it's a glitch, like in the Matrix. Exactly, the Matrix. yeah. Okay. If Keanu Reeves comes in, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm giving the author an amazing benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> Captured, Dr. Cool. His he hissed. The creature's face was very human, except that his eyes were red and his tongue was slightly forked. As the two talked, another figure entered, a blue alien floating on the air with no evident means of support. His face showed very little expression as he turned away. Looking back at the wall, a silent glow penetrated the room. Both Dr. Krull and his companion stared at him. What is it? He senses some presence. As they looked, a small picture formed in the air, showing a black-clad female flying toward them. She stopped, her eyes staring straight at them. Fear not. She cannot see us. Dr. Krull looked down at his chair, located a button, and pressed it, opening a panel revealing a small microphone. Lower the shield. We don't want to make it harder on her. Astrogirl cautiously approached an airlock as she flew around the unusual satellite on its dark side, the side away from the Earth. Just as her grandfather had said, this was Dr. Krull's lair, which she confirmed with an image of a crooked sea through her x-ray vision as she stopped in front of the airlock. The youngster was surprised at the lack of security as she flew inside and over some very advanced spaceships. Some of the- f- Oh, shit, this is an advanced fucking satellite. <laughs> Are there sharks with laser beams on their heads, though? I mean, 
I would hope so, or else this really I isn't mean, that formidable of a layer. I mean, he's been orbiting the Earth in a satellite. He asked for $10 billion. Yeah. How much do you think a spaceship costs if $10 billion is enough to, you know... I mean... Be a deterrent. I feel like I feel like he's only like trying to pay like his monthly mortgage payment. <laughs> Ten billion dollars. All right, that gets us the condominium for the next. <laughs> right, we're good for three the month. Days. Okay, we're going to come up with another, another scheme. scheme for April. It was probably originally just like a million dollars, but he went to one of those like cash advance places, and just the insane interest rate totally screwed. The him interest up. rates they get you on those. Uh, but as she had been warned, the passage was not exactly empty of traps. Astrogirl had to fly through several laser grids to get through the inner sanctum. She floated down to the ground and, being careful not to activate the alarm, blasted through to the throne room. In the corner, Lisa could see a large throne, and in it, his back turned toward her, Dr. Cruel, the man who had destroyed her family. She could also see two shadows on either side, one hunched, the other large and tall. Lisa found it difficult to restrain her rage as she watched him from the shadows. Suddenly, there was a bright, frat, a bright flash as Dr. Cruel, who broke the silence in a cruel, cold voice. You didn't think it would be that easy, did you, my dear? Activated the room's lighting system. That's what you think! Lisa gasped as a sharp pain struck her. She looked up and saw the lights were throbbing. The room got brighter and brighter as the pain intensified in Astro Girl. She tried to fly toward him, but it was hit by one of the shadowy figures whose identity Lisa was able to discern, even without super senses. It was Asp, and he came to her and leapt on her back, his tongue eager to lick her. Oh. Asp wants the power. I want the power. Gross. Asp hissed his claws, hissed his claws tore into Lisa, and she felt a burning in her chest while the strange lights continued to sap her strength. The man creature's eyes rolled back into as the energy into him. At that moment, knowing it was, knowing that it was only a matter of minutes before Asp's poison would reach her heart, Astrogo raised her left hand at Asp, finding a quick burst of light in his face, blinding him. She flew up out of the reach, hoping to gain time to recover. Just then, as she tur- again turned her gaze toward her adversary, Astrogirl fa- felt her body stiffen, as if something had paralyzed her. And indeed, something had. With a look of shock on her face, she saw Dr. Cruel rise from his chair. And as he, as he approached her, a floating eye attached to a torso and a blue-hued alien with glowing eyes followed him. The former Siphon and the latter Leech. Astrogirl flexed her muscles, but her arms remained rigid. She tried to fly away, but her feet did not drift with the wind. Dr. Cruel looked at his three companions. Shall we begin, Master? By all means. Siphon caressed his temple, releasing Astrogirl, who landed to the ground. As she tried to get up, kneeling on one knee, her power almost faded, Leech came up and embraced her. His hand touched her head, searching for a certain spot. When he found it, Leech's eyes were bright red as he began to feed. Lisa was now very weak, so weak that she could no longer endure Leech's attack. Dr. Cruel, watching the scene with impassive face, raised his hand. Leech removed his hand, allowing an unconscious Astrogirl to slump onto the floor. Leech and Ass picked up the young heroine, carrying her toward the lab. Her body limp with the exhaustion and put her on the nearest table. A few minutes later, Lisa opened her eyes, blinking at the light. The first thing that she noticed was that she had been immobilized to a lab table with restraints made of very strong metal. Titanium, she guessed. The good thing was she also did not feel any more pain as she had in Dr. Cruel's chamber, although she was still weak from the radiation and Leech's touch. Secondly, she noticed that there were several electrodes attached to her, two on her chest, two on her temple of her forehead, of her head, and one on, her, on each arm. 
Each was attached to a medium-sized device shaped like a satellite dish above her, a series of wires connecting to, into a large, unseen dynamo behind Astro Girl. She tried to turn her head toward the large control panel where the villain was standing, adjusting various buttons, but found it very difficult to focus her vision. She pulled against the restraints, but her strength had, wa had waned too much. As she looked toward him, Dr. Cruel gestured to Aspen Leech, who turned and walked to the door, standing, standing alertly, after which he went back toward Astro Girl. Soon. My grand scheme will be completed. Without you, the citizens of Earth will bow to me like waves in the wind. I will be destroying the last superhero. The only one who could have stopped me. But... Dr. Cruel hovered to Astro Girl, staring at her face. Now the light will fall. This machine will extract all of your power until your body lies in my satellite, completely and utterly drained. <laughs> His eyes glowing, Dr. Cruel flew back to the control panel, found a green button, pressed it, went to a second button surrounded by a series of numbers, a red colored one, and slowly turned it to the right, stopping at the number two. Then as the machine hummed to life, throbbing waves of energy flew through the electrodes slowly, while Lisa's face grimaced as she fought the energy absorption. Watching Astro Girl struggle, the archfoe turned the button three numbers over. The young heroine began to let out, let out her pain as the plasma pierced her body's defenses and ate away at her energy aura. The electrodes glowing with, glowing with the surge, she tried to use her remaining strength once again, but only succeeded in exhausting her final reserves. Astro Girl writhed in agony as the final blast came. Her body contorted once more and then relaxed. After gradually turning the button back to zero, Dr. Cruel floated over to Astro Girl and removed her mask. And he did so. The effect on her body destroyed her. Lisa no longer looked like she looked as she had once had. Her hair was coarse and worn. Her eyes gazed limply in no direction. But of all the alterations, her withered body, body was the most shocking. Astro Girl's muscles had completely faded, causing her costume to hang limply upon her giving her the appearance of a dressed-up child. Dr. Cruel carefully released Astro Girl from her restraints, slipping the unconscious girl's hand, hands and feet through each one. Then in a moment of villainous spite, Dr. Cruel kissed her cheek. As he did, Lisa grabbed his face with a free hand, ripping off the synthetic mask. The real face of the master villain was made up of two eyes and a brain encased in fiberglass. You are surprised, Astro Girl. It may have had its drawbacks, but this has guaranteed me virtual immortality. As Siphon and the, their master, Dr. Cruel marched out a door marked Escape Pod. Dr. Cruel carrying the body of Astro Girl. Apps was the first to reach and press the button to unlock it. As the two mercenaries stood aside, Dr. Cruel walked up and threw Lisa into it, whereupon she gave a slight groan. All good things come to an end, Astro Girl. All good things. The door was shut. The trio returned to the main chamber where Dr. Cruel released the pod from his throne. After which he turned toward the silent sight, who closed his eyes and showed him the battered Lisa on the pod. Uh, battered Lisa. On the pod, she had awakened, looked out, and realized that the war was finally done, and she was its last victim. The walls of the pod glowed with radioactivity. Evil would come across the galaxy, sparking a new age of discord and chaos. The pod had now entered Earth's orbit. As she slumped to the floor, weakened but unbroken, Astro Girl smiled as she saw the planet's surface getting larger and larger. The End Damn. Villainy reigns supreme. Astro Girl well, couldn't cut it. You oh, know, honestly, honestly, she was against all four supervillains at <laughs> once. 
<laughs> and like there was no lead up whatsoever like she she took like one hit from a proton gun and then like did some mopping I mean, yeah, up and, and like, fixing some sidewalks but like i feel like gandalf one used all his prologue <laughs> on her parents you know and some weird affair between her mom and her grandpa I feel like the story itself was far too short for how much build-up there was. Oh, so much build-up <laughs> and then just, like, just to remind the, this this hero comes out of all of this build-up and then the first time she does something... She dies. She just dies. <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, this might just be the genre of superheroes in general, but I actually really liked it conceptually. Like, I think it is a cool-ass concept that basically the villain's going to win. Oh, yeah. And, you know, t- it's this dark, you know, it's almost like the Dark Avengers, and, you know, like, or, you know... Yeah, the, the Norman Osborn sort. becoming president type deal. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, such a cool, different way to look at it. Uh, I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, this was Exposition City. It's like, eh, we've got to explain the last 80 years of history before this. Ha-. It's like, you didn't need to do that. This could be well, yeah, I mean, fun. I mean, and it would have been different if, if the story had continued for longer, but it, like, he's got 80 years of world building and then like one 20 minutes to read story and suddenly it's all gone. Like, dude, come on. Honestly, uh, Gandalf here, he, uh, I think they, you know, take that paragraph, use it as inspiration as an outline, and build, like, a book dedicated to that time period. Yeah. have the no, second exactly. book, no. which is the it death seems of the like last the prequels, the prequels would be lit, man. Would be so lit. Movie DM. And then, you can... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying they could totally make her get a movie deal and expand this universe, come out with merchandise. I mean, I could see it. Some of these uh, alien, like the alien, the blue alien is a conceptually cool idea. Uh, the lizard, like, like this is a cool cast of characters uh, on the villain side, at least. And I think that there's a lot of potential here to, you know, start fleshing this out into a more diverse, you know, superhero universe. Almost like, you know, we uh, may have just found the origins of another cinematic universe right here. Because honestly, some of these characters already sound way better than fucking Iron Man. Iron Man, what? He's a rich guy who builds, has a suit? Uh, That's relatable. Batman, hello? Came out first. Copycat? True. Deadpool? I'm sorry, Deathstroke. Ooh, ooh, did I touch a nerve there? I mean, oh. I prefer my pools to be very alive. I'm, I'm not a fan of death and dead things. You, guys you like live pool instead statement. of dead pool? Yeah. What about, pi- do you like piss pool? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not really alive, but I wouldn't say it's dead. You'd like my neighborhood. Ah. I, you know, the one thing that is absolutely a shame, though, is that this was written in 2003. And so, you know, this guy, like, the, you know, got a life. The uh, Gandalf Cinematic <laughs> Universe uh, did not take off, I would say. Did not take Wait, this, off. This was written in 2003? Yeah. Yeah. I thought we read new fiction around here, trying to find the next big thing. It, this is pretty well, undercover. We could, still, we could still uncover big things of I mean, fiction. we could... St- I don't he, have did, you know. Did Gandalf never wrote the, greatest... the prequels? Uh, maybe he did. Let me look. Has he been working on them for the last 17 years? 
Uh, that's his. To my knowledge, that's the only superhero one he has. All the rest are mystery. We're just gonna have to take it back and read some of his mysteries at some point. Look, the truth is here, Sam, is that you know what? This could be his comeback story. He listens to this podcast. He loads it up. He hears four fuckboys reading his story, and we give him the advice that he needs to to become, you know, the I next just, big thing. I just really like that Gandalf used the word Chad before the internet was around. So Chad wasn't a meme when he was writing the story. He, re- but it is yeah, now. But two thousand three, the internet was around. Yeah, but nobody used it, man. Like we were all still using AIM. <laughs> the internet wasn't really around. Use, wait, you couldn't use the internet in conjunction with Every, AIM? Everyone was on fucking dial-up, dude. You think the internet was actually around? No one enjoyed yeah, that Yeah, the shit. only meme was like that fucking dancing baby gif. They didn't even have gifs back then. Yeah, and that took like five years to load. They'd send like pictures. Dude, I like, mean, they storage. essentially had to tie like the bites to little hamsters and have those run across the earth. It was faster to I do mean, that. Every everything everything was done over email like i remember like the biggest thing that year was white christmas with the llamas singing it do you guys remember that oh <laughs> you're talking about they the got, shit like, on, like the llamas on, singing like, white christmas yeah and like the ding fries are done video oh like, oh yeah <laughs> like that that was the only thing going on i don't forget three badger badger yeah and then fucking and all right superhero movies apparently yeah, that's you know, it. The statement that, like, you know, he's read the Lord of the Rings stuff. Now that you know, I know that this account was made in two thousand two. Makes a little bit more sense why he that was, you know, the trilogy he was really, you know, proudly proclaiming because you know, Return of the King was coming out the next oh, year. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Charlie, did you give your thoughts? Um. Basically, I feel like it was a lot of lead up. I I wish it continued further from there um but i don't know um not very superhero-y in the traditional sense in some ways but uh i don't know i I would say probably a a two out of five not one of my favorites that we've read okay that uh, that tracks i mean that build-up is intense like, <laughs> wait, hang on, hang on. You gave the Christmas story with Zafnar. Oh God, and... that's such a good story. <laughs> that you gave that a four out of five, but this potential cinematic universe gets a two. This entire time, I was wishing I was reading about Zafnar <laughs> <laughs> and lemon lime and root beer and fruit punch and the whole gang. Now that's a story. I'm jealous. Honestly, we should have read a horror, guys. We still can. <laughs> I mean, this was this was pretty I mean, hard to follow. It was almost a horror. <laughs> what, what, so I, Other than a sexist nightmare, I'm not really right, sure. I'm gonna else. slide in with my final thoughts then, because we have nothing productive we're talking about right now. Get to uh, it. I get. I give this a solid 3.5 out of five. I think there's a lot of development here. I think you know. I think it's written very competently, which you know again is a very big baseline for us. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I've given, like, twos to things that, you know, it's when you read it, it's like you're having a seizure. Okay, if Gay Tales gets a two, this definitely gets a, some bonus points for being <laughs> competently written. But, Gay, that but Gay Tales st- had so much heart. Had so much heart. It did have a lot of heart. But I think that, you know, one of the things that's very cool here is the uniqueness of the villains. I think it does have a logical story as far as, you know, this is the downfall of the last superhero. 
I I like the darker aspect. I wish more writers actually, you know, had the balls to write more gritty, you know, superhero stories. Because I feel like, you know, the superhero genre is just so f- flippant, campy. I don't think Even it was these- that gritty, though. Yeah, like, she wasn't really a person. There was no character development on the hero side. I'm talking about, oh, so I absolutely agree that the characters are lacking. I'm talking about overall in the fluid of the story. Like, the story okay. beats. I think it's a darker tone. I mean, literally, we go you from... You just like that she died at the end. Well, I also like that she grew up basically an orphan, and that maybe his, you well, know, not really. her, her, her father-grandfather could have, you know, <laughs> raped her mom. You know, like, that's the grit that we need in the superhero genre. Not like, oh, Captain America, you're always good. Oh, Iron Man, that's you were fair. drunk for one movie, and that was a good movie, but then you became a bitch for the rest um, of them. I think you're forgetting uh, the massive uh, character shift when uh, Captain America said a curse word. That's true. He did say darn. Hey. hey yeah, David. Hey, you're, hey, you're really, swearing. really leaving that one out. Let's talk about the swearing joke 15 times. God, I hate that movie. Age of Ultron? God damn. I'm pretty sure I've heard you oh, flip-flop like language. 20 times. <laughs> why, is, why, is this, why is the second movie of a Marvel trilogy always fucking trash? Uh, anyway... Uh, Sam, did you, did, I, I might have been out of the room, but did you give your rating? No, I didn't. Uh, I would give this three stars out of five, and only because I feel like there was a lot of potential here. I would give that first paragraph that he wrote five out of five stars. Okay. If yeah, he would have that would have fleshed continued out. on the same level throughout the whole story on that level, like he started so strong, almost as if he was lit. Ri- Almost as if he was reading a Lord of the Rings trilogy. Dude, it could be he more than that. So strong. He had enough material in this first paragraph to make a freaking full MCU up to this he could point. Make an entire novel just on the filing portion. Of I, it. Right? I mean, that could be an entire trilogy. Exactly. It could be. I right, don't that, it. That's an unfair the, metric the, the, the because that is by far the most the difference between part. That is the true. difference between bad writers and good writers. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but. In my opinion, the difference between bad writers and good writers is how detailed can you get on the most minute bullshit, and that's what makes you a good writer. Like, if you ever read Tolkien's books, he starts describing hobbits, and he spends like 40 pages of the first Lord of the Rings book just describing how many gifts hobbits give to each other. And it sucks ass to read. Like, it's awful. Like, you're like, I don't want to fucking read about what kind of gifts Bilbo gave to the other hobbits. If you read the Bible, like, the first 100 pages, they're just describing how you get from Adam, the first man, to, like, David, the first Hebrew king. Like, they literally just go blank, son of blank, son of blank, son of blank, for like a hundred fucking pages. It's like, well, there how was much... a ta- Tower of Babel, and there was, you know... Oh, there's, like, there's uh... a bunch of shit in there, man, but like, <laughs> if you read the first couple books, it's all just fucking names. I, I see what you're saying, though. No. I mean, you want to be a good writer, you get, you get really detailed on the my, most minute bullshit. Like, if he would have just gotten... Pickle quail eggs. If he would have just gotten more detailed on that first paragraph, and told us about... The very first Astro Man fighting a gigantic octopus and having no idea what he was doing. That would be an amazing story. Oh, that story. would have been great for just the entire story. Oh, God, I want to hear that. I might write that later tonight. I, I mean, go. you have to call him something other than Astro I Man, might, but... 
I might, uh, I might Stephen King it. Did you guys read that article about how Stephen King wrote The Winds of Winter for George R.R. Oh, R. Yeah. R. Martin? I, no shit. In an afternoon? Yeah. No, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. He just cranked it out. It's it like, nice. it's, it was like, it was an article, then it was like Stephen King bangs out 200,000 words for fun on Winds of Winter because he's a George R.R. R. Martin fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like an interview with Stephen King, and he's just like, yeah, I got bored, and I felt like writing it, so I banged out 200,000 words in an afternoon. (laughs) So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, and that I'm following, you're suggesting that the early Bible writers were plagiarizing from Tolkien, right? No. No, no, no. Just that they go ah. into massive detail over bullshit you don't care about. I was on the same page. I thought you were saying that the Cimmerillion... Was the original and the Bible stole Correct. it? Definitely not. Okay. okay. Are you sure? No, definitely not. Does that actually make sense? No, I, I was just I was comparing two great works of fiction to each other. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh. No. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I'm gonna have to anyway. go with a two out of five. I did like the intro. I like all the concepts that were in the intro. But it's also just an intro. It's really like one of the things I'd read out of the '50s comics, where they have to explain Superman, how like who Superman and stuff is. Um, each of those little sentences in that intro could become like its own story. Um, I, however, I would bump this up to a four out of five if, in another story, he explains the weird trips of names and sen- repeated sentences and tense shifts. If he ex- explains that in a, like a Flashpoint esque time travel screwy kind of story, I could, I'd make this a four out of five for that. Just a three D chess level. But all right, listen to me, Gandalf. You're probably thirty five to forty years old now. You probably have two kids and a wife. You've probably left this entire life Divorcer. behind you. You abandoned those kids. Fight, exactly. Abandon them just you know, like Charlie's therapist the abandoned curb. him, and write the next Trust story. Me. Quit your job exactly. as the assistant manager at the local Best Buy and just get into writing. Just sit down, get yourself a scotch of whiskey, start dating that Buddhist yoga teacher at the nearest, you know, bacon shack, and, you know, just just live your life, man. You know, live it to the extreme, write the story, we need the next Or if, Or if that's too intense, just like every Sunday, spend an hour writing the story. And when your wife says, what are you doing, say you're writing to your mistress. Or... or- that she won't ask questions. Yeah, she won't ask any questions after that, except for like you know, will you sign these papers? Um, okay, so that which I mean, signatures are you know, you're gonna need that practice for when you make the <laughs> exactly. next big thing and you have to sign, all, have these to sign books. all these books. Okay, so I think that averaged out to about a what is that? Uh, about a three ish, two point eight ish, two point eight or so. So not bad, not bad. Um, you guys move on to the next story. I mean, if you make me. So, uh, we got some, uh, we got a, a nice, uh, scary story here. One that's going to make us all PRP holes, hopefully. Um, I already started. Uh, nice. Uh, Charlie, have you ever peed your pee hole from reading a scary story? Um, I did one time, but then I just realized I was reading the New York Times. Current events. Scathing. God, I fucking hate you. Is that what we're doing tonight? Nice. Uh, so, uh, how about you, Sam? Have you ever peed your pee hole over a scary story? No, but this one time I peed someone else's pee hole. Now that's impressive. Dude, that's kind of hot. 
Well, so our scary story today is brought to us by author Brenna on FictionPress.com. She has written a lot of stories. Um, so she is the author Brenna Singman. She hosts a daily virtual write and from Tuesday to Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Twitch TV. She like streams her writing. Um, she uh, she has a, so this is like a stockpile of stories for her. I think she's like I think she might be like even like a professional writer, and she like you know this is like her job. Um, she also has like an early access on her Patreon at patreon.com slash author underscore Brenna. Uh, that's all lowercase. So, you know, if, if you really like this scary story we're about to read, you can go actually go to her Patreon, go see your streams, you know, support up Brenna. You know, she's doing her things. I mean, she's like got more shit than we do. So. Okay. So this one's actually current then. It's not from 2003. Uh, no, this one is from 2018. Ooh, Nice. So modern works. So this is uh, called The Holiday Spirits and the Cold Reception. It was first published August 8th in 2018. Uh, do you have the link proper, gent? Mrs. Claus paced the glowing family room of the log cabin. The crackling hearth gave her no warmth, and the song of elves caroling while they worked brought her no comfort. She hugged herself and vigorously rubbed her soft white gloves over the sleeves of her dress. She only stopped for a moment to dab a small crystal tear beating up above her dark lashes. Hey, 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 yeah. Piped another voice entering the room from the, from the kitchen. Oh, Miss Claus, we're running out of time. A fragile figure hopped towards a dainty woman. She turned to her white and red striped companion and patted his curved neck reassuringly and kissed him with her soft red lips. Brittle as he could be, Peppermint was full of love and hope. Now, though, he shared her fears. Oh, do hurry, my sweet friend. She shed below her breath. As if to answer her soft cry, the drawn red curtains billowed. The ribbon swayed and the tinsel shimmered in, her f- in the firelight. Someone rapped on the enormous wooden door. Mrs. Claus dared to smile as she picked up her layers of skirts and scurried to the door. She pulled the handle and hid her face from a cutting gale that let the spirals of blowing snow. Three figures entering entered, their silhouette strong and proud against the hearth covered in stockings. One had a stout neck with a matte black head, his body sharply curved into a thick glass trunk. A black label with gold letters blocked some of the sloshing amber liquid within. His It boldly claimed, Rebel. Beside him was his taller, more willowy companion. Her neck rose tall and dark. She was a slight but handsome sword, and the light curve from neck to body was accentuated by her dark label with shimmering white labels, letters, Bailey. Between the two was their short and stout third. She was an unassuming and bright-eyed mug with a wide lip and round stem. Her steaming eggnog body was decorated with marshmallow drops and praline shavings. The letters wrapped around the mug spelled Brandy. The weather outside is just frightful, said Rebel. But justice is so delightful, Bailey announced. Brandy tottered in place proudly. The ho-ho holiday spirits have arrived. Okay, now that's another intro we've done. How do you guys think that compares to the last intro we just read? Much better. Well-paced with the story. Way better idea of what's going on. So we got these three bottles of liquor are about to save the day. I just feel like I've been seamlessly swept off my feet into this world. Wait, they're bottles of liquor? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When did we hear that? Rebel Bailey and Brandy? Okay, okay. You got me. (laughs) 
<laughs> did it? Did it did say it the holiday spirits? It said they had curved necks. Oh, and the holiday man, <laughs> dude. Okay, oh. this story is already so far above the level of the last one. Like that is just like. That's like English teacher level. Like, did you guys catch that they're actually bottles of liquor? <laughs> and that yes. Ben Claus is actually just a, a raging alcoholic. <laughs> That's how the holidays now, be saved. Now, now, just answer me this. What literary devices did the author use to show you that that worked? Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> He's having like PTSD. I know they introduced me as a literary expert, but, you know, it's been a, it's been a few years since high school English. thank thank goodness mrs claus shut the door behind them before too much cold invaded her home oh we must stop christmas from becoming a travesty my darling saint nick has gone missing it seems not even little rudolph could find him she threw a delicate arm across her forehead flattening her bouncy blonde bangs where, uh, where'd you go? Pondered the bubbly mug of sweet nog aloud. Goodness, it's Christmas Eve and Santa has to... Oh, oh sorry, I just, I drank a little too much uh, of myself. Santa has deliveries, no time to dilly-dally. He simply couldn't keep himself away from the cries of a nice child having a sour holiday. You've seen the movies. He has to make things right. But this time, he didn't make it back. No Santa. No red-nosed light of hope. No Christmas. Some sad cries drifted in through the windows. They were the nervous whinnies of Santa's other reindeer from their miniature cabin in the backyard. It seemed they were just as put out about the holiday nightmare as the clauses. Peppermint hopped over to the holiday heroes with a scroll held tightly in the nick of his sugary curl. The leathery parchment was bound with a golden ribbon and each corner was dyed red and green. Peppermint handed over to the spirits and it unraveled into a trail that curled along the bottoms of the walls. Up all over the hearth, wrapping around the furniture, ending back at the company's feet. One name was glowing by a section of the floor a few, away, few feet away from Bailey. She hopped over and peered close. Noah Johnson of Kelvin City, she said. His name looks as blue as he must feel. Well, if anybody knows cheer, it's us. And we're here. Rebel already clomped back towards the door as his brooding tome filled the room. Mrs. Claus, you better watch out, you better not cry. Santa Claus is coming home from town. Thank you, holiday spirits. I can always count on your cheer. The bottles huddled close together. Peppermint opened the window just in time as the mug and bottles leapt into the air and zoomed out of the cabin. Mrs. Claus waved them off and then he turned to her small candy cane companion. Perhaps you shouldn't be too far behind. I have a terrible feeling in my heart that Christmas needs as much cheer as we can give it. Okay, so that's a good breaking point. What are you, how are you guys feeling about the story so far? I like the symbolism of the, hall- the Christmas spirits. 
I'm wondering where it's going, though. I mean, so far, Santa Claus has just disappeared. It sounds more like a mystery than a horror. And more like a kind of a comedic mystery, honestly. True. I mean, I yeah, think it's kind of scary that the, the, the Christmas cheer levels are so low. Honestly, it's frightening me right I mean, now. I mean, I'm Ms. feeling Claus pretty cheery. Has, you know, skirts she's lifting up. I don't want to see that. It just seems like Mrs. Claus is getting hammered on Christmas by herself, and this is all just <laughs> She's like... talking to her alcohol bottles. <laughs> she's Mrs. Exactly. Claus is just alone. Like, she's... She's pissed off at the elves. Santa's gone off. I'm calling it now. I, I think she Miss chopped Claus up Santa. Drunk as a skunk. Talking to the bottles again. What was that, Charlie? I'm saying she chopped up Santa. That's my prediction. Oh, that'd be a pretty good ending. You think she killed him already? I think that's what this is about. I mean, not even little Rudolph could find him. I mean, it's the, the, the dry air of the North Pole would make smelling really hard. So you could just put the body like anywhere. I'm really hoping that, you know, little Rudolph doesn't get killed because I love that guy. Pretty chill guy. I mean, I'm kind of scared because it seems like Christmas cheer is on as dreadfully low. I mean, it just seems like she's just drinking all the Christmas cheer. Exactly. She's not letting anyone share. Yeah, she's not even letting the elves get fucked So when they went out the window, did she just toss the bottle out into the snow and then she's going to go pick it up? She's probably, they probably got kind of warm sitting in the heater, and then she's like, no, nah, I need to ice these daddies down. Oh, you know, classic snow yeah, trick. exactly. The holiday spirits, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd do it. Yeah, I mean, I got snow in my backyard right now. I'm, I'm kind of doing it. It sounds amazing. Well, do you even have a refrigerator? I mean, why do I need it? I got snow. I wouldn't use one. When you can use God's refrigerator. Exactly. That's why the Latin term for snow is God's refrigerator. Oh, is that the Inuit? Is that what the Inuit translation is? Yeah, right. Inuit into Latin. Correct. Oh, okay. Which was the most common translations made in the classical era. Well, that's why there's so many like different like, you know, words for snow in those languages is because they have to describe every component of a refrigerator with the same word because it's all God's refrigerator. Right, and that was a royal decree by the Caesars. Exactly. The little the the this was after the era of the of the giant Caesars. This was the time of little Caesars. Little Caesars, you know, and they make it make some little Caesars should never go in the refrigerator. We're just trying to make sure that if you listen in, you get history lessons. You get history lessons, and you know what? You might just get a little bit of cheese. The holiday spirits threw through the sky, leaving a trail of cheery steam in their wake. It puffed like happy clouds, smiling down on the snow-covered cities below. Every building was strewn with colorful lights, and the ice crystals from the cold glinted like fractured glass. Suddenly, the air became frigid. A gust of wind bowed into the holiday spirits, sending them spiraling in the air. They pulled themselves together against the force of the wind. There was no obvious sign of where the attack came from. The holiday spirits soon realized that they had been thrown off course. There was no city lights below, no streaming sounds of Christmas carols. They appeared to be back in some wilderness. Oh, goodness. What the holiday heck was that? Cried Brandy. Rebel looked below for any kind of landmark. I'll bet if we find the source of that wind, we'll find our Christmas Grinch. The holiday spirit soared back on course. Not long into their flight, they could see a streak in the sky. It grew wider and it roared the closer it got. 
It was a jet stream of icy wind, a funnel of pure cold. The gust, er- the gust erupted from a point almost directly below. Split up, Rebel commanded. The holiday spirits dove like turtle doves. Each one arced in a different direction, and the jet stream plowed through the spot where they once were. By the time they reoriented themselves, the jet was long gone, and they couldn't tell exactly where it came from. The holiday spirits shared a glance and dove down to the white tundra below. The two glass bottles landed in snow and sunk it up, and sunk it up to their labels. Rebel didn't mind. His kind of holiday cheer tended to err on the side of chili. A moment later, Bailey and Rebel heard a soft plop and the snow splayed, sprayed their faces. I'm okay, cried Brandy's muffled shout from a few inches into a ditch as wide as her mug. Bailey and Rebel helped Brandy wiggle out of the pit of her own creation. They took in the scene around them. They were in a chasm between snowy mountains. Each one was dappled with cave entrances and radiated a faint glow of blinking colors. The holiday spirits didn't understand how this wild region could have shown up right in the middle of these neighboring cities. Brandy glided across a snowy path towards one of the mountains and peeked into the cave. Much of the snow traveled in from the blustering winds outside, but she could easily see the metal walls and doors. They were tipped over tables and a generic plastic Christmas tree with shattered ornaments on its branches. Okay, I just have to say real quick, this is doing a very good job of setting a scene. It really is. Yeah, so props for that. Strangest cave I've ever seen. Brandy said to herself. She turned around and waved to the others over, but they were already inspecting another cave. When she joined them, she could see this cave mouth almost led to a metallic lobby, decorated for Christmas and trashed by the wind and snow. They stepped inside and heard a small sniffle behind the tree that was shunted into a corner. Rebel flew over and tossed the tree aside. A little boy sat curled up against the metal wall, hugging his arms as his teeth chattered. His dark hair looked gray from the layers of snow and ice clinging to each strand. Uh, Please, bring back the warm. He piped up. I don't don't have anywhere to, to, to go. What's your name? Bailey asked. She let her cape wrap around the boy for what little warmth it could offer. Noah Johnson. The holiday spirits looked at each other with understanding. This was the sad boy from Santa's nice list. He must have gotten lost when the heavy snow hit. It didn't explain the strange metal mountains. Rebel stepped away as Bailey and Brandy comforted the boy. He looked at one of the tipped-over tables and saw an ice-sheathed folder. The logo was that of the Kelvin City Police Department. It was clutched in the frozen palm of a human-sized ice pop. Hey, hey, hey guys, these ain't no, no caves, Rebel said. These, these are buildings. And everyone inside may as well be Frosty's cousins. Bailey cried. Who would do this? Brandy shook with anger. And right before Christmas. Wind burst through the front door, flinging the metal from its engine and tossing around the forgotten tables and chairs. The holiday spirit spun around as a shadow fell over the room. They heard soft clopping in the snow. It was a steady beat like an animal who knew its way through a storm. Uh, A flash of red. 
Then another frigid funnel tore the room apart. The holiday spirits tried to brace themselves, but the vortex of air scooped them up and tossed them aside like porcelain dolls. They worried their glass might shatter as they tumbled about. Uh, I knew you'd be showing up soon, holiday spirits. A small reindeer stood in the doorway. His antlers were frost-covered, and he was the only half the size of the reindeer that Santa always had always depended on for his holiday deliveries. This one had a nose so bright, it could guide any jolly man through a storm at night. Rudolph! Brandy hopped back in surprise. But why? Don't try to play the nice guy, Rudolph said. You're as bad as that fat jolly man and his other reindeer. Santa never really cared about me, that's right. He only used me for my talents. My bright shiny nose saves Christmas and all I get is abuse for my promotion to head reindeer. If Satan really cared, he'd stop blundering, blitzing, and dopey Donna from always picking on me and pushing me around. All of them kept it up and I couldn't say anything or it would get just get worse. Not that Santa would care. So now, I'm taking matters into my own hoops. I'll destroy Christmas for everybody. Then we'll see who's the big shot. Rudolph cooked, kicked his head and his hoof in the snow and as his head reared back and he gasped. I do. He let loose another rocket of icy wind. Rebel jumped up and spun in place, loosening the cap atop his neck. It flung forward, piercing the blunt force of the gale and striking Rudolph in the nose. Then, like a boomerang, it sailed in an arc and landed back on Rebel's neck. The momentum of its spinning sealed it in place. Owie! Rudolph whimpered. He glared at Rebel, who returned the look. Rudolph's nose began to glow brighter than anyone had ever seen it. You're gonna pay, holiday suckers. You'll be nothing but soft serve when I do with you, that's right. Without warning, <laughs> a beam exploded from the little reindeer's nose. It struck Rebel in the glassy chest. The black label immediately froze and crumbled away, but the beam reflected off him and struck one of the walls. A patch of ice formed just feet away from Brandy's marshmallows. She gasped and jumped back. Watch it, she said to the others. Archie should keep us warm, but that's still gotta hurt. You're telling me. Rebel spun his cape around for protection just as Rudolph let another uh, let loose another beam of freezer burn. Rebel ducked out of the way and kept moving as if the laser fire continued. Each blast left layers of ice in its wake. Bailey slipped while dodging one of the beams and felt the metal against her glass that was so cold it nearly burned. I've got you now! Rudolph caught out victoriously. The world seemed to slow down to a crawl as one more red burst of light shot through the air at Bailey. She cringed as the beam struck her and threw her back against the wall. She felt the sting, but it didn't shatter her glass. The cold laser bounced off her and made a beeline for the corner of the room where one sad little boy was shivering with wide eyes. The light hit him square in the chest. Frost crept across his skin, his skin and it thickened into a solid sheet of ice. His terrified stare was frozen in time. While Rudolph was distracted by his unintended target, Rebel Bailey and Brandy jumped at him. Rebel came down on his snout like a club while Bailey scooped up the mug and rolled her at Rudolph's feet. Hurry came crashing down like a tower of griffs on Christmas Day, and then Brandy sat on top of him to make sure he wouldn't move anymore. 
You'll pay for this, holiday spirits, Rudolph said breathlessly. Then he started to cry, little ice crystals. Oh, Santa will deal with you, Brandy said. Where is he anyway? Oh, he's just cheering up another kid. I made it look like there was trouble so I could lure you out and give you the deep freeze. Then I could finish my plans without your meddling. Well, you're out of luck, Rudolph, Bailey said. Just because you're getting bullied doesn't mean you can bully other people. Guys, what do we do about Noah? Brandy chimed in. She stood beside the boy encapsulated in ice. His eyes were so lonely and sad. Santa must not have been able to find him without Rudolph and with no home address. He needs some cheer to melt this ice away, but after that battle, I don't think we have enough to give him. She noted the spills across the already slick floor. Her marshmallows had dropped a good few inches. It seemed this would be the last of the sad Christmases that Noah would celebrate. Okay, so we're at uh, the end of part two. How do you guys feel about that so far? Like, the, the action scene. This is very I really intense. Like, I, I love like this. Rudolph is a superhero. <laughs> or supervillain. Supervillain? Everyone's complicated in this. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. I thought Rudolph blasted out the villain with his nose. No, Rudolph was trying to ruin Christmas. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Did you just get your mind blown? Uh, yeah, just let Charlie talk. <laughs> it sounded like you just had to reevaluate all of your life decisions with that. Sorry, I got a bunch of Tinder matches all at once while we were recording. <laughs> That was that was me. I was trying to throw you off to give myself this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's this was super captivating to me. Uh, this is actually a really good uh, creation of an action scene. So bravo! It was pretty pretty baller, right? Like that. Like the there wasn't too much didn't happen, but it was all written like so well. Like you had to see what you know. Like, they didn't do a bunch of crazy flips or anything like that, but it was, like, just so right. well put together. The only thing I have uh, some sort of conceptual issue with is the fact that it said the someone wouldn't get, they saying I would have trouble finding them because they have no home address. So, are we just totally accepting that homeless kids don't get Christmas? <laughs> Poor kids don't get, yes. have you never heard the song, Poor Kids Don't Get Anything for Christmas? Is that a song? But I mean, like, if we're already in an ideal fictional world where there is a Santa and a North Pole, doesn't make Hang it, on. it seems like there could Hang be on. other things fake. What do you mean fiction? Um, nothing. I, I, I mean that this is this isn't this isn't a firsthand account of Santa Claus. This is a, someone telling a right, story they heard about Santa. Because I met Santa numerous times, and um. He's usually always a no, very dull man, but uh, apparently he doesn't I have, have a thing for poor people. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that the story just glosses over that. Yeah, well, I mean, the truth is, is that Santa's a very busy man, and he wants to give presents to kids who deserve them, like rich kids. Right, and no, he's busy, because on top of that, most people don't know this, but he actually comes to the mall where I live in my No hometown. way, he comes to my mall, too. And every year, what? and yeah, I tell what him every year, like, I, I'm so glad you could come here 
every day wait, from wait, 2 wait, to 3.30? How does he fit that into his schedule? Santa comes to you guys' malls? This is fucking bullshit. I've never even wait, seen the guy. Hang on. Wait, wait a second. But Santa shows up at my mall between 2 and 2.30. No, what, oh, Santa Claus, too? Guy. Am I the only one who's never met Santa? This is fucking. We're all talking cool. about Saint Nicholas, right? I still right? sit in his lap every single day. Yeah, that's what I do. At two fifteen, I get in the line at one forty-five, and I sit on his lap at two fifteen. Wait a minute, are we in different time zones? Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, we're in different time zones. All right, so God, he, yeah, I he, feel he, like he, such he an takes idiot. his sleigh. To your place between that he's time. at okay, two thirty every okay so at each time zone he's in a mall at two thirty we just so happen to live in the best mall areas because as we can see uh, Sam here has never seen Chris uh, never seen Chris Kringle I've never well, I've never poor. met Santa before yeah he was just talking about living no <laughs> um excuse me I don't think so <laughs> maybe <laughs> wait actually maybe. that makes sense because you guys are west of me. So, um, okay, that because that would be on metric. Yeah, that's also a thing. You're on the imperial system, and we're on the right, metric. Right, and you and guys are on the metric. metric. Yeah, so uh, that actually does make sense. Okay, I was really confused for a second, but luckily, we we deduced it. Okay, we got it all figured out. But also, yeah, I felt I felt some some I felt my hairs in the back of my neck really stand up in that middle part there, like you know, with Rudolph coming in, like you know, I was getting pretty scared. Yeah, I'm glad that Rudolph was eventually defeated by alcohol. <laughs> Aren't we all, seems buddy? Like, seems like a solid theme. I mean, I know I was during that story because I thought he was a hero. So <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol has definitely uh, defeated me already. A new voice, but a new voice spoke up from the doorway. Ay ay ay! It looks like Mrs. Claus was right. That boy needs cheer, huh? A curled candy cane hopped into the lobby. He was coated in a layer of frost and a few cracks wrapped around his body like he made a long journey in the cold. What are you doing, Peppermint? Bailey asked. I'm gonna bring this boy some cheer. What's better for cheering someone up than a little Christmas candy? Before anyone could stop him, Peppermint bounced over to the frozen boy and hooked it around his icy hand. He started to glow. The red stripes pulsed and the white stripes became blinding. The hook of his sugary neck was impossible to see anymore. It was as if the warmth of that embrace melted him and it was nothing more than the sweet air of Christmas himself. Itself. Dripping sounds filled the rooms. Everywhere there was ice began to melt away as the warmth from peppermint reached every corner of the lobby and even the street beyond. Noah Johnson began to wriggle his fingers and his grin brightened from blue to pink. A sweet smile formed on his face. It was a little crooked, as if he hadn't smiled so brightly in years. In his hand was a sugary smudge of red and white. Ho, ho, ho. The iconic call of Christmas filled everyone's ears. Noah squealed with delight as a round man with a bright red, well, bright white beard and a suit as red as his cheek, cheeks walked in. It seems we've got ourselves in a bit of a pickle here. Rudolph, why didn't you tell me you were so unhappy? Eh, hey, you wouldn't listen, the reindeer said. You only care about my nose. Oh, my dear little friend, I care about you being happy. 
And I'm afraid my naughty and nice list doesn't tell me about reindeer. I'll be having a word with the others when we get home. I promise there won't be any more mean-spirited jokes at my workshop. We only bring joy! <laughs> Rudolph looked unconvinced as he continued to pout. Santa patted his side and kissed his furry brow. I'm sorry, old friend. I guess I must earn your trust like anyone else. Come now, let's all go home. It's nearly Christmas, and we've gotten a little sidetracked. Santa kneeled in front of little Noah Johnson and saw the smudge on his palm. He smiled at the boy and invited him for a, invited him for a ride in Santa's sleigh, while they figured out how to make his Christmas and New Year sweeter than ever before. He pulled out a small handkerchief and dabbed the boy's hand. When he unfurled it, a tiny step of a candy cane was giggling in his palm. Thank you for your help, my friend, he whispered. The ends of his cotton-like beard tickled the baby peppermint. Together, Santa, Rudolph, Noah, and the holiday spirits walked out into the city street. The snow was melted just enough to reveal the buildings underneath and all the strings of lights. The unfrozen citizens began their Christmas preparations anew. They smiled kindly and helped each other shovel and, and write the fallen tables, chairs, and Christmas trees. Santa chuckled to himself as he saw Rudolph smiling. This was hope for renewed happiness, and that was the key. Everyone deserved to have a Merry Christmas. The holiday spirit saluted Santa and leaped into the air to enjoy their own Christmas until they were called upon again. The end. Aww. It was great. I'm filled with so much holiday cheer that I feel like I could go donate it and like give Put it in a blood, box. but holiday Put it in a cheer box. and get a little orange slice afterwards to help get my cheer back up. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little, maybe a little methadone. Really get that cheer through the roof, right? Yeah, and just see. Just, just I agree see. that I'm very cheery, but I'm not typically cheery after, you know, a horror. So, I don't know. There, there wasn't any horror. <laughs> like, there's a, bat there's a battle between Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and alcohol, but other than that, like, it seems like Santa just came in and saved the day, like he always does. Like this is just Polar Express 2.0, but with booze. Hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. That terrified me. Oh, this was such a good horror story. I, uh, oof. I mean, there wasn't oof. a single second where I was like, yeah, I'm a little scared right now. Oh, wait, now. So, I, oh, I, wait. Oh, I get it. I get it. Just, so, I thought when I was saying scary, I was alluding to horror, which is, you know, fiction that the, you know, person horror from the Star Wars universe would really agree with. And I think horror would really agree with this. Oh yeah, no. This is a this is a prime example of horror or fiction. Horror or fiction? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I really like horror in the Star Wars mythology. I don't understand. <laughs> is that is that his noise? I guess. I guess you guys are a little bit too deep for me. Let me see if I can. This is this is too deep. Too deep. Five me. <laughs> I think you just got sixty nine, sir. I might have. I might have gotten 69. We need to add all those numbers up and see what we come up with. We got something like... I don't know. Either way, so how do you guys feel about this story? Like, overall? I really liked it! You, you know what? Here, oh, this might be the first time ever where you've actually made us read two stories, and I've actually liked both of them. I don't know if that changes, you know, I've just... I mean, you know, I don't know, I've liked wisdom. all of our stories. Uh-huh. Uh 
Uh, with age and wisdom, I'd mellowed out and I'd become more nice. Maybe it's the holiday spirits, and you know, since you know it's going to be March when this comes out. Uh, you know, I I'm really looking forward to the beach. Oh, so, you that's know. probably it. You know, you're probably looking ahead, being like, the beach is coming up. Mm-hmm. The beach. I'm gonna pick up some beaches at the beach. Anyway, maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe last last episode you were a little hot. Maybe you had a I, cyber I saber Christmas story. You were a little hot, and I think maybe what happened is like the, a cyber saber Christmas story happened to you. You were landlord, and you you transformed a little bit and became a little less hot in this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say without a doubt that this story uh, is very inventive. It's very creative. It's very cute. Um, I love, I, I, I didn't really see any huge grammatical errors or any spelling errors, which again, you know, is the baseline that we have to do for any of our stories. I was very satisfied with everything that happened here, and I have no really complaints, except that it kind of ended a little abruptly. Like, there should have been a little bit more of, you know, a bit more meat and potatoes in the story overall. Um, but with that being said, I give it a, a four out of five. Oh, okay. Sweet. Uh, Sam, how did you feel about this? I'd give this one a 5 out of 5. I'm kind of pissed off it was described to me as horror because I was <laughs> expecting like a jump scare <laughs> in the middle of it that never came. Um, but other than that, you know, there were allusions to some of my favorite beverages. Um, it came at a perfect time when we we're about to hit Christmas, you know? Like, Rudolph the Rain Ranger is my hoe. I fucking love that dude. So, I mean, like, there was a lot of good stuff in here. Mrs. Claus was kind of hoeing around with the the booze. I like the nitty gritty side of Santa and Mrs. Claus you know, like too. Santa's like, out I mean, doing his job, and Mrs. Claus is just yeah. Well, well, Santa's out at the strip club. Miss Claus all worried about him, fucking hitting up Jack <laughs> and Bailey, and you know, like and hanging out with the hanging out with the elves. Like she's like she's like yo Santa like. Santa's out, but now I'm the one who's in charge of all these elves. All these holiday spirits. And if I don't, if I don't make Christmas happen with these holiday spirits, Christmas ain't happening. So, like, I like the nitty-gritty side of Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Like, that was nice. I can get behind that. I'd give this one a 5 out of 5. Like, I think it was excellent. I'm just a little disappointed that it was described to me as horror, because that was not the job. I mean, it was pretty scary. I mean, they were at dangerously low amounts of Christmas cheer. I mean, I don't think that it was scary at all, but that that's personally just okay. me. I mean, I did pee my pee. Maybe I'm just... Did you pee in your yeah, pee I'm a little bit? Yeah, I'm covered in piss right now. I did too, but that was really? not really... Oh, me. so you, you, yours was just incontinence? Yes. I personally did not pee in my pee okay. hole. Which, I peed you quite know, a bit. For it, to, for it to truly be scary, I would, I would want to have peed in my pee hole. Okay. Yeah, okay, that... But that, you know, that's just me. It's five out of five Sweet. right now. Uh, Charlie, how are you feeling? Five, five Harry Potters. Uh, so I would also give it a five out of five. This was a great story. Um, it was well written. No no big issues. It had uh, did a good job of having like very varied sentence structure. So short sentences with long sentences. It, it just uh, it kept me interested and kind of sucked me in. Uh, it suffered from... The same issue that pretty much all literature faces, which is that it's not the novelization of Mars Attacks, the 1996 Tim Burton film. But mm. other than that, pretty much perfect. I mean, but to be fair, you can't take that away from the rating because nothing will ever be able to 
approach that type of standard. Right. I mean, I I, I keep a vain hope, but basically, yeah. And because you know, because if it was truly novelization, the Mars attacks, uh, the Tim Burton film, it wouldn't put it in the title. That'd be too easy. That'd be too. It wouldn't. It would lose the spirit. You know, that's that's a fair critique. So I feel like this came close, though. It was in the same vein. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's five out of five. Cool. Makes perfect sense. Uh, as for me, I really like the story too. I think it's really cute. I think it's uh the 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 writing's essentially some of the best we've had when it comes technically speaking. There are a few times I noticed where there were ambiguous um uh the dialogue statements uh, and you could tell uh i might edit it out but with proper gin he had a few there was a few times he had to uh he was trying to figure out who was saying what and it was a bit ambiguous that is better to some degree than the overstating it because it's a lot less uh, you can just make up whoever said it especially because none of the dialogues like that important um but yeah i'm gonna have to give it a four and a half out of five uh, you know, just cause like, I do feel like that the, the action while really good, there was a little compacted. I think the intro to, to action ratio is a little off, but other than that, fucking awesome. Loved it. I was terrified the entire time, but I'm also filled with Christmas joy. Um, which is great because I mean, in this cold, cold month of February, I believe it's just, it's just awful. I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that when I was walking into this thing, a four out of five, I would end up being the lowest score. I mean, you're just the, you're just the, you're the, you're the toughest guy. You're the, you're the Simon Cowell. Negative Nelly over there. You know, you guys did actually forget about the time zones again, because you just said January. It's only January where you Oh, shit, you're right. Sorry, yeah, time because Sam's in time zone where it's still December. Because he brought, (laughs) he brought up the Christmas thing, and and I know, like, a proper gen here understands this is going to release in about four or five weeks, so it's, it's March, March for him. But for me, it's still like early, late dog, late late days of Janny Danny, and like getting early into February. So, uh, right, exactly, yeah. And I'm on I'm on leap month. Oh, so you're still you're still in fucking. We're not even on the calendar yet. We're just skipping. Monday. We're just skipping this month. Okay. Well, sweet. It's like December like 18th right now, man. Like literally, Christmas is next week. That was a perfect story. But you're not going to release this as a Christmas episode. Well, well, no, it's it's Christmas where you are. That's how time zones work, right? Like, you know, the different zone you're in determines what time it is. I don't, I don't think. I, don't, I mean, I think that's true for like different hours. Yeah, and then months. What? Well, hours I mean, month, month. there's always hours skeptics, right? Yeah, I mean, it's December 17th right now, Tuesday, December 17th at 9.20 p.m. No, you see, but you see, my time zone, it's February 17th, 2020. Also, there's a lag because we're on the internet, so for me, yeah, it's like it's like 11 p.m. So it's like we're sending a telegram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't you guys have boys coming in giving you uh, audio tapes? I do, but again, that's unrelated. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's just that's just uh, my personal oh, okay. life. Okay. Good. Okay. So now I was asking, yeah, I'd make sure that you guys all have the blackmail I sent out. Right. I do a lot yeah. of business. Yeah. I do a lot of dealings with uh, late eighteen hundreds oil tycoon. I mean, you know, I've always got little boys coming in around. Oh, Charlie, we don't need to right, talk man. about our businesses with the the lesser folk like that. Right. <laughs> 
So this might be our highest rated story. Right, not everyone appreciates period jokes. Yes, I understand. It was a it was a really good story. I I really didn't have any shitty comments to make the whole time. Yeah, this is definitely our highest rated story by far. Um, it was it was averaging around a four point eight, and the next one was a four point three. Is what I can tell. So awesome job guys go give some if you if you like the story go donate to her patreon it's uh once again it's patreon.com slash author underscore brenna she also is on twitch tv so go check her out on twitch uh she live streams stories apparently that's pretty cool go drink some baileys oh dude chug that really really support brenna actually i'd be down with some brandy just like but like snort it it is one of the various holidays. Mm-hmm. I've got some right now. I didn't break into it. I've been drinking a porter this I've whole time. I've been drinking some Neon Sales. It's a tall boy IPA. It sounds nice. I've been drinking a uh, rich, dark, and sexy porter. Mm. By I've been having this company. Company. Distill Brewery Wild Sour series. Mm. It's, a, it's a Berlin-style vice beer with raspberries. It's actually delicious. Yeah, the one I'm drinking is very Yeah, I've been good. digging this Neon Sales. Have you been drinking anything proper, gent? I've been drinking uh, the uh, crisp and delicious Guinness. Nice. nice. You know, it's hard. To, it's really hard to go wrong with Guinness. No, really no I, I just say we're no. all on the same page here. The best beer that we're all drinking right now is, in fact, Natty Light. I mean, I wish I was drinking that. I can't afford right it now. right now. But I wish I was drinking Frio 6.0, but that's just me. Oh, whoa. well, you're a I man mean, of culture, I see. Proper gent. I have, to, I have to agree with you. The only thing on the planet better than a Natty Light would be a Frio 6.0. All you Texas college students are going to really dig that that reference. Um, I guess we only have... Quick, quick plug. Quick, quick plug. Uh, that's perfect saying because we are in the plug plug section. Plug... Plug oh, me, God! You know, you know what I really love on a night when I'm trying to get plug dragged. me, Daddy section nice, of the podcast. A nice Frio 6.0, because you know it tastes like a regular Frio, like shit, but it gets you twice as fucked up. That is true. Well, it doesn't taste just like Frio; it tastes even worse somehow. But slightly, but still pretty good. I mean, it's definitely like it has a darkness to it. And not like like when people say like that's a dark beer. I mean like an eternal sadness within the can that makes you extra drunk when you drink it. I mean, I really don't think I would call it sad. <laughs> I would call it. I would call it opportunity. Wait, there's yeah, one much. thing we need to set uh, to put an end cap on all this. I have to share something. Uh, okay. So if you look up, if you just Google the beer's parent company. The Frio parent company. The first result is actually on TexasBowHunter.com, and you'll see some lovely, uh, some lovely users here. One called Solo Cam Aggie, and I just gotta read what he wrote about this because someone was asking if this was a good beer. He said, "Had it the past weekend. It's not that bad, but dang sure isn't that good." My thoughts were it was about as light of a beer as I have ever drank. Since I'm past all that high school college stuff, I'll stay the more expensive route with Keystone.
Howdy there, Fancy Octopus here. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps. Then also, if you want to contact us, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Jim's Buried or through email at buriedjimspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to support the show, we do have a merch store over on Etsy, and we also have a Patreon page. Uh, links to those can be found in the description of this episode, also on our website at buriedgems.podbean.com. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, and I'll see you next time.